Good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. Let's stand together, open the service with a word of prayer, thanking God for his help and presence in the service this morning. I enjoy the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful for it. Brother Bowser, would you ask God's blessing in the service tonight, please? Thank you, dear Lord, for this wonderful day. We pray that you'll be with us throughout the evening yes, service. Those, those that are speaking, those that are singing, those that testify, we ask Lord, that you would encourage each one of our hearts to draw closer to you and to live for you better each day. Lord, we love you tonight. We want to worship you and praise you with all of our hearts and all of us that is within us that we can live for you and serve you. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Brother Michael's coming to lead us in our singing. Good evening. Hope you've come this evening with a testimony, maybe a chorus on your heart. I don't know. But uh, let's take our hymnals and let's open up to number 416 as we start this evening. Springs of Living Water. I with a word of praise, a word of testimony tonight. Well, 
I'm so thankful that when I drink of Jesus and of his spirit and of his life, that it just satisfies. And I found that time and time again, that I found that way back when, when he saved me, when he sanctified me, and that I can find that on a day-to-day -day basis. I can know him as my savior, that he satisfies me every day. He satisfies me every long I love him. I just want to serve him and go deeper with him and to trust him more because he truly Amen. satisfies my loneliness. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Anyone else? All right, let's take our chorus books and let's turn to number 190. Number 190. Scripture says, don't be afraid, 
one of these days when you make it to heaven, you won't remember all of your heartaches and your pain and your disappointments and your disobedience way back there years ago. I'm just praising the Lord tonight. He is so close to us. I don't know why he's left us to live to be so long. But whatever he has for us to do yet, that's what we want to do. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. supposed to be doing the kids chapel tomorrow and they wanted us to talk about Bible heroes and I got thinking about teaching self-control through a Bible hero because I felt like you know that's a really important characteristic for young children to learn but I was reading over just different articles about Daniel like different things that people have written about him and this one lady was talking about um, sometimes it's harder for us to stay faithful in times of comfort over struggle because we're offered so many good things that kind of squashes our need to know God because we feel like we have so much. And then she went on to say at the end, may we never elevate God's blessings over God. And it kind of, it kind of struck me in, an, in a way to just realize that sometimes it can be very easy to just kind of just go through life because, yeah, we need God for different things, but sometimes it can just be easy to feel like, oh, I'm so incredibly blessed, which I am, but sometimes it's easy to focus on that more than on God. And I just want my eyes to always remain focused on God and just continually seeking Him to continually to grow deeper in my relationship with him. And I never want to rate what God has given me over him. Amen. Amen. The psalmist says, happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. The psalmist also says that as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. How far is that? Start traveling east, and how far are you going to get until the east stops? Start traveling west, and how far are you going to go until it ends? That's what the psalmist is getting at. Guess what? Our sins are gone. Never to be remembered against us anymore. Aren't you thankful this evening? Praise God. Let's turn over to number 195. This author of this song says, I think says it so well, and honestly, this is my testimony. I love this song. Oh, Lord, you have been so good to me. You have done what the world could not do. The world seeking and searching through so many ways and avenues. And I have found it. Um, I was on an ambulance just the other night with a guy that was necessarily not doing so well. And... Uh, he looked at me and said, do you ever have to use the paddles back here? 
Some of you are old enough to know what paddles are, maybe. I don't know. Little paddles off of a, a, to shock people. Um, I'm old enough to be practicing when we used to use them. But uh, anyways, we don't use paddles anymore. We now use pads. But I, I told, I didn't talk to him about that. I simply said, yes, there are times when we have to. And all of a sudden, he started crying. He says, well... If you have to tonight, I know where I'm going. He says, within the last eight months, I found Jesus. And he cried and cried and cried. It was actually beautiful because we had a full Christian crew on that night. I happened to be orienting with Joy McIntosh from the school. Um, she was on my truck, and then my driver was a, another lady who's a, a precious Christian. And we had a prayer meeting in the back of that ambulance. Um, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And when I got done, he prayed. And then when he got done, he grabbed my hand and just held it. He says, wow, isn't that something? The presence of the Lord in the back of an ambulance. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter where we're at. And the reason I tell you that, he's been so good, he does what the world can't do. And that's what that guy that night was telling me. He said he found Jesus, and he, he testified a beautiful, beautiful testimony to us, how he had been so far from God and how God truly saved him and has changed his life. It, it was fantastic. One of the best ambulance rides I've had in a long, long, long time. And uh, God is so good, isn't he? And he's been good to you. He's been good to me. He's been so good to all of us. What more could we ask for? I'm so thankful for him tonight. Let's sing this together. You saved the poor lost Sarah you raised me from the
Well, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but thinking about that song, one could get just a little bit excited if you think about it too much, so be careful. I don't know. Brother Straub, I believe it was, used to say, if that doesn't get your fire lit, your wood's wet. And I think that's true of this song, because guess what? If you know the reality of this, he's done so, so much for us. He's nothing but good. Hallelujah. Anyone else want to praise the Lord? Sister Bass. I was thinking about our friend who went to heaven. Actually, yesterday. She went to heaven, and we went to visit her on Monday, and she was always saying, don't keep me here, I just want to go home. And there's no doubt in any of our minds that she went to heaven because she lived her life for Jesus. And we knew that. She, she fought the fight, and she finished the course. And she was a true follower of Jesus Praise Christ. She was 94 years old. Wow. She lived for him for a long time. And I was thinking about that. I thought I could see her again in heaven. And it just makes you feel closer to heaven when you have friends and family who go on before you. And that's my desire tonight is to just live my life for you. Amen. Sister Sherry. I thank the Lord for what he means to me tonight. I thank him for his presence in the service this morning. And you know, when I go to work, that, I tell everybody, I, I can't keep my mouth shut. I tell everybody, you know, those people I work with, the, um, the men at the center and stuff, if they can just realize what Jesus could do for them. And I try to tell them, and they just think that, you know, I'm just blown off air or whatever. But God is real, and he has yes. been so good to me. And I mean, it's been three and a half years without my husband, but God has been more than wonderful to me. He's been everything I needed him to be to me. He's Thank provided Lord, for me, and he satisfies every longing of my soul. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Anyone else? At one point in my life, there was a time at this point in the year, I would be parked in front of the TV on Sunday afternoon from about noon all the way about 7.30, just <laughs> worshiping my football games and you know, fall, the basketball, and the spring debate. I mean, it's just what I live for. And just think about the change Jesus made. I'm not saying the game's wrong and it's, you know, fun to play or whatever, but just my heart was in that when God got a hold of my heart. And I haven't looked back. I thank God for a long time now. I'm getting a little bit older year by year here. Um, I think about the fact that God is good and there's a sweetness in this way. And it can satisfy your heart. But you've got to give all. You've got to get all yes. on that altar. And when you do, God, not that you have to get saved first, but you've got to get on that altar and let God fill you up and clean you up and then just walk with him. And it's a good way to go. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Wise. That was good. Anyone else? I was thinking of a song today. I've been actually thinking about it for several weeks, and I don't know if we've sung it for a little while, just the chorus. Number 74, the world lives for all sorts of things, and the songwriter says, he's the only reason I live. But oh, what a reason. There's nothing in this world that's worth living for because it only brings you, leaves you empty.
and longing for more. But wow, how true that is. But he's the only reason I live. I, 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 I see this so often, all the things that the world does that leaves them empty. And uh, I don't know. if I, I wish sometimes that I could teleport some of our young people by video onto some of the scenes that I see. Honestly, because the billboards show you the, the glitter and show you all the pleasure and this and that. And honestly, the ambulance shows you the backside of that. Yeah. You know, the, the cirrhosis of the liver and the guy who's younger than me but dying because he's an alcoholic. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, it, it's things like that that you look and go, oh, the alcohol is so great. Oh, leave. No, no, it's not. Leaves you empty, longing for more, but he is the reason for living. I, I, I can go on and on and on of the things of this world that do not satisfy. Aren't you glad you have that which satisfies? That which doesn't leave you empty. I don't know, someone was mentioning the, of, of the service, Sister Sherry, this morning, the presence, sweet presence of God this morning. That left me satisfied. Amen? Amen. Well, I, I just, I left here this morning feeling like I had been full. Amen. And so I'm glad for him. Let's sing number 74 in closing this evening. He's the old God. Thank you for your singing, for testifying. I appreciate it this evening. Amen. Thank the Lord tonight. I said it this morning. I've said it a couple times recently, but I really mean it. I'm thankful, so thankful for a personal knowledge that my sins are forgiven, that they're under the blood, 
that all was well with Jesus. I give him praise for that tonight. Brother Spangler says it often, but he's, he's so right. One of the best things you can do for your loved ones and for your friends and for those around you is give a clear testimony that I know all is well between me and God. It's one of the best things you can do for those around you. Praise the Lord this evening. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We want to go to a special time of prayer um, this evening, specifically three requests I'd like to mention to you tonight to pray for. We'll have another time of prayer probably later on the service. But Sister Hoffman is asked to be anointed tonight, and so here in a moment, ask her to come and gather in with her, anoint her and pray over her for her and the cancer in this situation, praying that God would just help and God would touch in her situation. So we're going to pray for her tonight. And then also I'd ask as well that you would remember Rebecca Dutry in your prayers tonight. She's not doing well um, at all. She's had an infection here for a little while and different trips to the doctors, different antibiotics, and it just doesn't seem to be working. So we're just going to pray for her tonight. God would touch Rebecca. God would help her tonight. Then also, yes, remember Susan Nyman. Been praying for her. Um, she was looking better, but they got news today and made the decision that they're going to that she's going to go home on hospice care. Um, she had the pneumonia. She still has the pneumonia. The doctors have not been able to get rid of the pneumonia for her, and then the cancer, pneumonia in one lung, cancer in the other lung, and so she is going to go home tomorrow on hospice care. And so, be praying for the family. Be praying for her in that situation. So, I'd ask we're gonna have a special time of prayer tonight. I ask that you gather in. Um, with Sister Hoffman's and the ladies, we gather in with her. She's coming at this time. And then also, let's remember these other requests. Let's take them, let's take them to Jesus tonight.
We can trust Jesus, can't we? Yes. Song comes to mind. This, uh, the young people sang this morning, and it's so true. Um, in life, we have nowhere else to turn a lot of times, but we can trust Jesus with these needs, and we trust Him to help in these needs and in these areas, and that His will will be done. A few announcements um, this week. Youth convention has started. We already mentioned that this morning. Remember, youth convention and prayer. And uh, the needs there, the needs of the young people, and a lot of people travel in for this, and it's a very uh, focused and concentrated time on spiritual things, and we want God to move. And that's what it's all about. That's what it was born out of, and we want that to continue to be what it's all about. So remember the youth convention in a special way, the speakers, everyone that has a part, that it would go smoothly and go well, and um, that God would meet the needs. He always does, and um, we just want to have another um, good convention one more time. Also, a bus and outreach convention coming up. If you've never been to bus and outreach convention, I was there one time because of my work schedule and the way it worked out at that time, and it was just, it was something special. And I think that you ought to go. I'm going to put a plug in for bus convention. It's in Lebanon this year, so it's closer to home. If you can make it at all, if you've never been there especially, um, you need to go to bus convention and check it out. There's different tracks you can go to, points of interest. And I know, I know you would thoroughly enjoy it, and it's a great time um, to go and sit in seminars and services and to hear those things. It's just, it's an encouragement. So I would encourage you um, to go to Bus and Outreach Convention, if at all possible, or tune in online if you can't, uh, cannot be there. Uh, on the bulletin board in the back, there's a sign-up sheet for the men for a sportsman show. Um, if you're uh, interested in going to the sportsman show, um, there's going to be a group going if there's enough interest. And there are three dates on that, um, three dates on there that are opportunities to go. So if you're interested in going, mark each date that will work for you, each date, whatever. There's three dates. If all three work for you, put an X under all three and your name beside it and your phone number, which is on there. Um, if it's one day or two days, mark that. But if there's a very um, specific day that will absolutely work for you and it's your preference, put two X's in the line. Do you, under, do you understand that? Um, that's back there on the, on the bulletin board, so let's remember that. Um, at this time, we're going to have the uh, ushers come, and we'll come to you for the morning, or the afternoon, evening offering. All of them. We'll just do it all at one time. Brother Kohler, will you pray for the offering, please? Lord, for your sweet presence tonight, Lord, we so enjoy your presence. We ask your blessing upon the service, on this gift, Lord, use it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
offering and the good offertory tonight. Aren't you glad for God's amazing grace? And it's all because of God's amazing grace. And um, I can testify to that fact tonight, that the reason I'm here is because of God's amazing grace. And we were singing the song um, earlier talking about um, that he did what the world could not do. And we think of a lot of people who go out in the world searching for something to satisfy and I was thinking about that in my own life, and I was not ever, when I lived in the world, I wasn't searching for something that would satisfy, because God had been faithful to me growing up in my um, younger years to know that serving God was the best thing to do. Even though I wasn't doing that in my life, even though I was going a different direction, I knew that that's where happiness was, it's just I couldn't get in gear, and I wasn't going God's way. I was doing my own thing even though I knew what the right thing to do was. And so I wasn't searching in the world for happiness because really down deep I knew where that could be found. But thank the Lord that he was faithful to me time and time again. And um, he did what the world couldn't do and transformed my life. And I just want to give him praise for that tonight. It's all because of his amazing grace. This time we're going to have a regular time of prayer. Go to the Lord in prayer and let's remember the needs we've already prayed about that God will continue to be with them, uh, Susan Nyman, Sister Rebecca, um, Sister Hoffman, and let's uh, continue to remember Anna Salzfus with the, the road that she's going through and the pain that she's been going through. Let's continue to remember her in prayer, um, that God will be with them in a special way and, um, and give her a healing touch that she needs through all this time. Let's remember those requests. Um, are there any requests you'd like to mention um, tonight before we go to the Lord in prayer? Katie. Right. Yes. So there was a young man who was injured in a sledding accident, fell into a gorge, as they called it, and um, has went through surgery pretty much immediately. And um, they did tests and things on him. They don't know to what extent, but it's not looking good for the use of his legs. Um, just preliminary tests showed that he had slight feeling in, in one leg and none in the other and neither feet. And so they said that within the next three days, he's going to have to start therapy and hit it hard um, if he hopes to have results. And they don't know the extent necessarily at this point, but it's just an unfortunate accident. And I know that his family would appreciate prayer. And then uh, uh, you can imagine that he needs prayer, not only physically, uh, but mentally um, to deal with this. I'm sure the news is, is hard, you know, when you're at this stage in your life and it's, everything is out ahead of you. And um, then suddenly this happens, but God knows all about it. And um, just pray that God will be with him, give him a healing touch, or use this as a great um, thing in his life um, to be used by God for his glory. So let's remember this situation in prayer, remember his family specifically in prayer um, also in this need. Let's also remember um, the Penview groups that are out singing right now, that God will be with them, they're traveling, and um, some of them, it's a new experience for them, and um, that God will just give them help and strength in their journey and uh, traveling around ministering to people and that God would keep his hand of protection on them on the highways. Let's remember them in prayer while they're out. Any other requests? Unspoken requests by upraised hand. God knows the needs and burdens of our heart. Let's kneel this evening. I'd like to ask Brother David Wise if he would lead us in prayer this evening. Great mighty 
mighty things. Oh God, we just ask tonight that you would touch this church, that you would bless and undertake, Lord, every aspect, Father, Brother Spangler, and all the, the, the ministry team, Lord, that you help the Lord and everybody that comes here and calls us the church home. Lord, would you work in a mighty way? Father, we do pray for youth convention coming up, Lord, that your touch would be upon those services. We pray, God, that you give wisdom, Lord, to those that are conducting. Father, we pray that you give unction and anointing to those that are bringing the word and singing, Father. Oh, God, that there would be victory, Lord, in the services, Father, that you would bind the devil in every way, Father, that you would just settle down and, and many of them die, Lord, we pray for the weather, that you keep away the, the icy weather, Father. We pray, Father, that your seal of blessing would be upon those services again this year, Lord, blessed as you have in times past. Father, our hearts go out to this young boy, Lord David Shirk. Lord, we just saw him a week ago down in Duncan, and oh God, that you would touch him. Father, we know, Lord, that, that you're able, and Father, we've got to believe, Lord, in this This time we have a special number in song. Situations 
chance he's not the master of is anything too hard for Trust his word, you'll see. His plans are now unfolding, they're performing perfectly. It's clear how much he loves you. Look at all he's done. All your questions, there's really only that this evening. Thank you for, thank you. I appreciate the words of that song. I forgot my microphone tonight, so I'm either on this pulpit or, or so I just realized that. Brother Eric put a plug in then for bus convention. I would encourage you to go if you have the opportunity. If you can get down there, you will not regret it. Guaranteed. Or your money back. It is tremendous. Pastor Denver went and scheduled a revival over bus convention. Did not have the dates for bus convention on my calendar and went and scheduled a revival. So I'm a little bit disappointed about that. I'm going to miss bus convention this year. So I'm telling you, go in my place. One, two, three days. If you go, I guarantee you, you won't regret it. It is a tremendous event, tremendously inspiring, encouraging, equipping with all kinds of things. So I encourage you to go. Brother Hoffman also back there put that sign-up sheet for the men's sportsman show. And I looked at it and thought, hmm. This is a test to see if men can follow directions. Because trust me, you have to read the directions back there. But then it'll all figure out. You put the X's in the right spot, and we'll just, it'll just all go great. Have your Bibles with you this evening, Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking at Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 uh, this evening. Invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word tonight. This passage of scripture obviously comes from the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a little bit since, since I've preached from the Sermon on the Mount, but you, you, 
to understand this passage or put it into context, uh, if you look in your Bibles at verse um, chapter or verse 20 of chapter 5, it says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then the next several sections here in this in Matthew chapter 5 are explanations of these verses where your righteousness needs to exceed the supposed righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Tonight we're going to read two, uh, it, depending on how your Bible has it divided, might be in two sections of the Bible that, that if you have like titles in your Bible, two different sections, one on forgiveness and one on loving one's enemy, but it's all kind of the same idea. But two examples of where your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So let's then begin at verse 38. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same." And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Thank you. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, is probably one of the most uh, well-known of Jesus' teachings and Jesus' sermons. But this passage, or part of this passage we read tonight, is, is very well-known and very common and very uh, discussed. There's a lot of discussion over it. Particularly, there's one phrase that stands out in this uh, series or in this passage that I read tonight. And the reason it stands out is because there's a lot of discussion and a lot of controversy over this phrase. And it is simply this resist not evil. There's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of interpretations, there's a lot of conclusions that have been drawn from this passage and those in the verses around it, that phrase and the verses surrounding it. This phrase or this passage has been applied to mean that the Christian should oppose capital punishment. This, this phrase has been said to mean that society should do away with a police force, should do away with judges, and should get rid of the whole law and order system because you shouldn't resist evil. This passage or this phrase has been said to mean that Christians should take a pacifist position and never take part in war. 
This passage has been mean to say that when someone would assault your wife or daughter, you should stand back and do nothing about it. I give those interpretations to you. And if you're like me, you have thoughts already running through your mind because you either agree, strongly agree or strongly disagree with those interpretations that have been given. My concern is that when we look at this passage of Scripture, we spend so much time on the controversy and the discussion that we miss what Jesus truly was teaching. For the discussion and controversy, I want to give you two things because I want to address it a little bit, but I'm not going to spend much time on it tonight. This is time for a discussion some other time where we can talk about these interpretations. But I want to give you two things. One, I don't think, from my study, I don't believe that Jesus was focusing on any of the aforementioned issues, uh, uh, capital punishment, law and order, pacifism, or, or, or assaulting one's family. I don't believe those were the intention of this passage or what Jesus was talking about when he gave this teaching. Two, when trying to find out what God thinks about an issue, never take one verse out of the Bible and use that to trump every other passage in Scripture that refers to that issue. You must take them all. Regardless of your conclusion on what resist not evil and all these things have to mean, I believe that those two things should be applied. Now, with that out of the way, I'm going to ask Brother Michael to pray over this message. And Brother Michael, would you pray for my voice too? Because I've been struggling with that today, and I'm hoping to make it through this sermon. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is a two-edged sword that pierces deep. We pray that you would touch Brother Brenizer tonight, touch his mind, touch his voice, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would imagine at some point in your life, you've been wronged by somebody. That somebody has done something wrong, perhaps minorly wrong, perhaps majorly wrong, perhaps incredibly hurtful towards you, perhaps intentional, perhaps unintentional. But I would think that in a fallen world, with a fallen humanity, you have experienced what I say. You know what it means to be wronged. This wronging could take a variety of forms. Somebody could have hurt you physically. Somebody could have said something nasty to your face. Somebody may have slandered you or gossiped about you behind your back. Someone may have lied about you, hurting your reputation. Someone may have stolen your possessions. Someone may have stolen credit for something that you did or stole your job in the workplace, something that you thought was yours. Perhaps they treated you with disdain and acted as if you were beneath them. There's a variety of forms that sin takes, 
But when sin happens, it hurts people. And oftentimes, friends, we've been hurt by people. To experience something like this is very difficult. You may feel violated and betrayed. You may feel like an injustice has been done. You, you may feel like you deserve better and should be treated differently. And these are very real situations and, and very real human emotions are a result of these situations when they happen. But in a situation, the situation isn't fun, it's not easy, it's not pleasant, it's difficult. But in those situations, you have a choice to make about your response. And this is what Jesus is talking about tonight or talked about uh, there on the mount when he gave this sermon. And it is the message for us to hear tonight. You want things to be right. You know that you may have been wronged. Human reason tells us that the person who wronged you must learn from their mistakes, and it's up to you to take justice into your own hands. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is simply used as an excuse to take revenge, to take vengeance, to get even with somebody who has done you wrong. This message is so prevalent in our world today. I mean, books are written about uh, somebody who, who was uh, hurt or, or family was mistreated in their youth, and that person grew up to become very strong and a person of position and returned to the, to, 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 to the person who hurt his family then and took vengeance upon that family. That's a very common plot line in the world's novels and in the world's movies, and friends, it, it's lifted up and praise as if this is good. The person's getting his just fruits for what he did. There's a philosophy. It's prevalent across America, especially prevalent conservative circles. Don't you dare tread on my rights. Don't you touch my property. Don't you do me wrong or you'll get what's coming to you. The human nature longs for vengeance, for revenge, and for the chance to get even. In the Old Testament, we find a story of a man, a man who was incredibly, horrifically wronged and who was faced with a choice of how to respond. In Genesis chapter 30, his seemingly insignificant birth, at that time seemingly insignificant, is recorded. Verses 22 through 24 of Genesis 30 tell us that Rachel... The wife of Jacob finally gave birth to a son, and he was named Joseph. You're familiar with the story of Joseph that begins in Genesis chapter 37. He was the favorite of his father's 12 children. And that didn't earn him warm, fuzzy feelings from his 10 older brothers, especially since he was the favored one, and they were the ones who worked to provide the income for the family business. Joseph has these dreams, and instead of keeping his mouth shut like maybe he should have, he tells his brothers about these dreams that insinuate that one day his brothers will bow down and serve him. Things weren't good in Jacob's household, and they just got a whole lot worse. It was very tense among the brothers, 
And when they get a chance, the older brothers sell Joseph into slavery. Now Joseph, who was once the favorite son of his father, is in a caravan headed for Egypt as a slave because his brothers, his own flesh and blood, sold him into slavery. You talk about being wronged, folks. Joseph was wronged. Can you imagine the thoughts that must have gone through Joseph's mind on that trip? Is it possible that Joseph had thoughts of revenge and anger towards his brothers? Is it possible that maybe he thought, maybe if those dreams ever come true, I'll get back at my brothers for what they did? Well, things develop for Joseph in Egypt. He becomes the servant of Potiphar, and because of his wisdom and excellence, Joseph rises to command Potiphar's house. It's an incredible story. I would imagine most of you know the story of Joseph tonight. If you don't know the, Joseph, the story of Joseph, go read Genesis 37 through 50. It is one of the most incredible stories in the Bible. It's an amazing story. I'm just, I'm just brushing over it tonight. It's a truly incredible, truly incredible story. But Joseph is now the, 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 he becomes the second in charge of this general's house or this commander, this Potiphar's house. But then he has this run-in with Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's wife accuses him of inappropriate behavior even though Joseph was very appropriate and kept himself pure. Jo uh, Potiphar's wife accuses him of inappropriate behavior and Joseph winds up in jail. Now, often when I've thought about the story of Joseph, I thought he's in jail. Oh, he must have thought about all that went down with Potiphar's wife. But you realize if Joseph's brothers never sold him into slavery, he wouldn't be into jail. You think that two years in prison, that thought never crossed Joseph's mind, that my brothers never did this to me. I wouldn't be here stuck in this dungeon for two years. By the way, they didn't have cozy jail systems back in this time. This is Egypt. This is not a good place to be. He is stuck in an awful place, stuck in this dungeon. But then the story continues. Miraculously, by the hand of God, Joseph goes from dungeon to second in command of Egypt. Again, you need to read the story if you don't know how he gets there. It's incredible. He runs second in command of Egypt. And of course, we're building to the climax of the story. Joseph knows a famine is coming. And so he prepares Egypt. And Egypt stores up food to survive this famine. The famine hits. Egypt has enough food. Guess who doesn't have enough food? His brothers back in Canaan. They don't have enough food. They're starving. They travel down to Egypt because they hear this food. And then we have this interaction. These peasants, these people from Canaan, they're not very important. They're not dignitaries. They have no royalty in them at all. Show up and the second in command of Egypt is who? Joseph. The role has been reversed. Joseph is on top and his brothers are at the bottom. My friend, if there's ever been an opportunity, if there's ever been a time to get right, to give these brothers what they deserve, it is now. And what does Joseph do? He forgives his brothers. He blesses his brothers. He provides food for his brothers. He calls his brothers to Egypt and sets them up and they became very prosperous in the land. Yes, 
Wow. That is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. It on display, this forgiveness, this, this change, this not taking revenge, this loving your enemies. If there's ever anybody who deserved to be the enemy of Joseph, it was his brothers. And Joseph loved his brothers and went beyond and provided and blessed them. It's an incredible, incredible story. And it's what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says that you have heard that it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's important to note that this principle is given multiple times in the Old Testament. And this principle is repeated in the Old Testament. Why did God put eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth in the Old Testament? Two reasons. One, so appropriate punishments are given to people who commit crimes. You're not let off the hook for egregious crime. Two, punishment should not exceed the crime that was committed. A light crime doesn't deserve a super harsh punishment. So God put this principle in the Old Testament, repeated at least three times regarding the law, regarding the, the, the civil law of the land, the law in order that he set up, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is how the law of the land should work so that these punishments are correctly given. Fast forward a thousand years way down the road, we find Christ's day. And we find this law reappearing in the teaching of the Pharisees. And you know what they said? An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Brother, one person hits you, you smack them back. One person does this to you, you get them back. That's okay because the Old Testament says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, this is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. And he is about to astonish the people listening to him. And friends, if you did not grow up in a Christian home and you didn't have all your Christian background that most of you have now, this lesson would be incredibly astonishing to you because it goes against human reason. It goes against human wisdom. It goes against what our world teaches. It's totally counter culture. And yet this is the way of the kingdom of heaven. Christ then teaches us. He gives us examples about what he's talking about. These are the things that are listed here in Matthew chapter 5. The first example, we are told to imagine ourselves in a situation where someone comes up to you and slaps you across the cheek. All right, what does a slap across the cheek mean in today's, in today's society? It's an insult. It's, an, it's a personal attack. It's not a, I'm trying to take your life. It's not something like that. It's a horrible insult of slapping someone across the cheek. Even worse in Middle Eastern back in that period is what this meant. It's a terrible insult. And Jesus says, someone comes up to you and insults you like that, physically insults you like that. What is your response to be? Turn the other cheek. Again, you all have read this before. Most of you read this before, so you know what I'm saying. But if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who hasn't heard this before, and even folks for us today, this is astonishing. This is powerful stuff. This is, this, this is different stuff that Jesus is teaching here. 
Turn the other cheek. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place for wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. It's his job. Your job, turn the other cheek. Anyone ever feel like that's hard? That's, that's difficult to do. I'm raising my hand just because I'm being honest with you. That's hard. That goes, against, that goes against me, but that's Christ, and that's what he teaches. Turn the other cheek. Let's go on. The second example. A person is suing you for your shirt. Okay, let's go back to Jewish culture and try to understand what's going on here. A person was not allowed to take your cloak and outer garment. It was illegal to sue someone and take their outermost cloak. This ain't quite an outermost cloak, but this, this doesn't suffice for what they do. The outermost cloak was your protection against the environment. If you were homeless and had to sleep outside, it would be cold. You needed your outermost cloak to protect you against the against the cold. And so the Jewish culture had set up the system where that outer cloak is your right. It's your right. You get to keep that. Nobody is allowed to take that right from you. And Jesus says, when someone's suing you for your shirt, give him your right. Wow. Astonishing, folks. Counterculture, counter ideology, counter what our world thinks. Yes. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, give your rights to that person in that situation. Wow. That's something worth meditating on. That's something worth thinking about, friends. Third example the extra mile. Go the extra mile, he says. What does that mean? Well, in back in this time period, the Romans were the rulers of the land, okay? They had control of the Jews. When a Roman soldier at any time was allowed to commandeer any one of their subjects, any Jewish man just walking down the street, hey, you, Eric, carry my pack for a mile. And under the law, Eric had to carry that pack for a mile. Under the law, only one mile was he obligated to go. But any, any Jewish person, any Roman soldier could come up to any person working or not, doesn't matter. Hey, carry my stuff for a mile. And you had to do it. Jewish culture. The Romans are hated people. They are the oppressors. They are the people oppressing God's people. And Jesus said when the oppressor comes and demands something that is just absolutely ridiculous and you hate to do and you don't want to do, because trust me, if you're a Jew, you do not want to carry that Roman's pack. He's the ruler over you. He's, he's taken over your society. He's your conqueror. He's your oppressor. You want to throw these guys off and you have to bear the indignity, the humility of carrying that pack for a mile. And Jesus said, go the extra mile. Wow. Wow. You see how these, this lesson 
Jesus saying, love your enemies, sinking in. He's just giving examples of here of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. But friends, it is so, so different from what we're taught in the world. It's so, so different from how our culture operates. It's so, so different from how human reason thinks and our natural inclinations are. But Christ said, this is the way that you are to live. This is is the kingdom of God. When my people uh, uh, turn the other cheek, when my people give up their rights in these certain situations, when my people, they go the extra mile to love, to love their enemies. For the purpose of loving their enemies, they do these things. The fourth example, it's not so much an example as it, as, as verse 42, give to him that asketh thee, and for him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Don't get so caught up in your own financial uh, stability that you don't help others who are truly in need. Jesus goes on, love your enemies Bless those who curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is a radical, radical teaching in our day. It's a ra- I, I'm afraid, folks, this, is, this shouldn't be said, but it's a radical teaching for the church. The church needs to hear this message. This is what the kingdom of heaven is about. This is what God calls us to do. Love. Love your enemies. This this doesn't mean warm, fuzzy feelings. This means hardship. This means dying to yourself to love your enemies. This is what Christ calls his people to do. For you see, to give up the human urge for revenge, you must be dead to you. To give up your rights when someone is trying to abuse them, to give up your rights to love your enemy. Friends, you have to be dead to you. To go above and beyond and bless the day of an oppressor, you must be dead to you to be more concerned about the financial needs of others than the needs, uh, than, than your own needs, friends, we have to be dead to ourselves. This then is the underlying message, the prerequisite for following Christ's leadership on dealing with enemies. The Christian is dead to himself. It sets you apart from the world. The world looks on and sees a person who by all human philosophy, you have every reason to respond accordingly in the situations, to give eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but when the person who is part of the kingdom of God says no and responds with love, my friends, that makes an impact in the world. You do not 
see that coming from other places. You see that coming from Christ. A radical difference. And it's the difference we see in the lie of Joseph, the life of Joseph. I don't know if Joseph's friends in Egypt knew his life story. Maybe he kept that all to himself. But if perhaps chance he shared it with a couple of his friends in Egypt. And they saw what was going on. Wow. You imagine the impact that had on those friends. Roles reversed. The slave is the second. Egypt, by the way, friends, Egypt at this time is like one of the world domineering powers. He's second in command of one of the most powerful forces in the world. This man has power. These guys are peasants with nothing. And yet Joseph loves. Joseph forgives. Joseph shows what it means to love one's enemy. But friends, that story is this much in comparison to the greatest story ever told. Friend, you and I were the enemy of God. We didn't sit on the sidelines in the cosmic battle between good and evil. We were on the wrong side. We didn't live life with some sort of innocent, not that bad plate until Jesus saved you. Friends, we were the enemy of God. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall also be saved by his life. Friends, you must realize tonight we were aligned against God. His enemies. The ones who mocked his life. We were aligned with the ones who mocked his life and rejoiced in his death. We were the ones aligned with the ones who spat upon him and bruised him. We were on the side of those who killed our Savior. The enemies, the enemies of God. And yet, wow, we were yet sinners. Wow, we were yet his enemies. Christ, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ died for me, his enemy. He died for me. It's the greatest, most powerful, most amazing story ever told. You an example of loving your enemies. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. There was nothing worthwhile in me. Despicable, worthy of hell, deserving of death. The enemy of God and he died for me. And he died for you. 
He willingly went to the cross to bear the punishment for what we did. Oh, friends, that needs to stir your heart. That needs to kindle your spirit. You need to get a hold of that. The enemy of God and he died for me. Do not then see that his death on that cross was the greatest act of love the greatest forgiveness, the greatest reconciliation ever known to mankind. And it makes his teaching on the mountain come alive. It makes these words real. It makes these words burn deep. But our friends, he didn't just teach it. He lived it. He did it for us. He loved his enemies. He loved us and went to the cross for us. So yes, I'll take the insults because Christ died for me. Yes, you can take my right because Christ died for me. Yes, I'll go the extra mile because Christ died for me. Yes, I'll give to those in need because Christ died for me. Yes, I'll bless those who curse me because Christ died for me. Yes, I'll do good to those who hate me because Christ died for me. Yes, I'll pray for those who persecute me because Christ died for me. Christ said, love your enemies. He said, do good to them and go the extra mile. How much more of a mile can you go than to go to the cross and to bear the punishment that I deserved? But Jesus went to the cross for his enemy. Scarcely would a person die for someone who was good, but Christ died for his enemies. And in his death, in his example, and in the power of his resurrection, friends, there's power to live out this teaching in our lives. Because of the cross, you can love your enemies. Because of Christ's love, because of Christ's power, because of what he did, you can love your enemies. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And friends, it's not too great a command. It seems hard. And friends, I, it'll be hard probably when someone hurts you. But compared to the cross, look how little that hurt is. Compared to what Jesus did, it is small because Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice. And because he did, we now have the privilege. We now, through his grace, friends, it's his love. We have to have his love. It's not your power. It's his power. But there is power to love, to love your enemies. Tonight, friends, you may be facing a situation like Joseph in your life. You may have been wronged. I don't know. Something may be rough in your life because you've been hurt by something, because you've been wounded by something, because something has happened. Whatever that person has done, whether they intended it or not, it hurts you. 
and it would seem like they were an enemy to you. My word to you tonight, friend, is look to the cross. Look to the cross. For on that cross, we find the example to love your enemies. And we find the power to love your enemies. Shall we stand? I'm not going to tarry long tonight, but I'm just going to invite you here for just a moment. If, if, if God's speaking to your heart about this message, you know our altars are always open. This isn't a high-pressure thing, long, drawn-out session. But if God is speaking, listen to him. And go to that cross. Find the example. Find the power to love your enemies. Friend, you will be a different person. It'll be hard. I'm not saying it won't be hard in those situations, but you'll find strength. You'll find power to love those who have hurt you. Heads bowed, eyes closed tonight. Tearing just, just a couple of moments. Is there anyone who wants to pray this evening? Just slip out, come quickly. Not going to wait long. But anyone needs to pray tonight. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for loving your enemies, Lord. Thank you for loving me, Lord. Thank you for loving us, Lord. It's all because of you, Jesus. It's all because of what you've done. Thank you for this reminder of the cross and what it means, Lord. May we never forget what you did. Jesus, help us. Lord, through your strength and power, there is the ability to love our enemies. There is the, there is the provision for it. It's all there in the cross and all in what you've done. Lord, tonight I pray you would help us, Lord. There may be some tonight that are going through a situation right now, Lord, where it just, it's hard because someone's done something wrong and something, it, just a situation. Help them love their enemy, Lord. God, help us. Father, if we live long, if you tarry, this world's full of sin, full of sinners, Lord. Probably something's going to happen that it would seem like it's an enemy really doing something wrong. Jesus, in those moments, give us your grace to respond with your type of love as you have taught and as you have shown. Lord, let us live close to you, pleasing to you and honoring to you. And in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.